Have you ever, um, thank you. Have you ever found yourself wanting a, like, wanting to be like someone else? Who's here, like, have you ever thought, like, man, if I could just be like them, everything would be awesome? Has anyone ever, has anyone ever compared themselves to someone else? Raise your hand if that's happened. Okay, not everyone. Okay, some of us have. Um, what about this? Have you ever, here's another question for you. Um, have you ever, have you ever done the sniff test? Like, you know, like, if you're hanging out, like, this is a guy thing. When something smells really, really bad, you're like, hey, dude, smell this. This is horrible, right? Like, but, like, how many of you, like, moment of truth, like, how many of you smell food and leftovers before you eat it to make sure it's okay? Right, yeah, we, we kind of sniff it, and, and the smart ones go, like, it's probably too old. We shouldn't eat it. The rest of us, the rest of you would eat it. I don't do that. I'm, a, I'm such a wuss when it comes to that. It's, it's interesting because we really can't break this, the, either of these habits. Like, our noses are around us, and most of us have a sense of smell, and it, it's, it's amazing at how when we smell something um, that reminds us of something else. In fact, when I was in, in elementary school, the principal, uh, I think her name was Mrs. B. I can't remember, but it was, it was a long time ago, had this perfume that kind of like, the best way I can describe it, this sounds bad, it kind of smelled like a skunk, but it's not, it was like, it was a specific, like I think it's a specific probably hippie oil that a lot of hippies today wear, but I can't remember specifically what it is. But, but now if I smell that, I'm automatically reminded of her. Like your mind goes back, and, and isn't, it, isn't it amazing how our noses are so like in tune with memories? It's like you can link a certain memory to a certain smell. It's also amazing to me is how much we really do compare ourselves. Both these things are really interesting. We, we spend almost every single day, in fact, I'm going to pick on moms for a second. You guys are ruthless, right? You guys, you guys continually look at other moms and think, oh, man, if I could just do what they do, if I could just keep up like them, as opposed to encouraging and supporting, we compare ourselves across the board over and over and over again. In fact, let me, let me ask this question. How many of you have actually looked at someone? Don't, don't raise your hand on this, okay? Okay, don't raise your hand on this. How many of you have actually looked at someone else's life and actually had the thought, man, I'm glad I'm not there. I'm glad I'm not that person. I'm not as bad as he or she a comparison is one of those things that we, it drives us. It, it, it motivates us in unhealthy ways. But actually, I, I think we're actually, biblically, I think we can, we can compare ourselves to someone. If, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. If you remember, if you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. The ushers will grab one for you. If you remember, we, we've been working through Ephesians 4, and I challenged you guys to maturity this year. And I have to, I have to like, proud pastor moment. I have to share a couple things. First off, almost every single week, and so I'm, I'm giving you permission to do this because it has been absolutely amazing. Almost every single week, someone has told me in this maturity journey, someone has told me where God has worked in their hearts, and they've seen God call into maturity, and then they've applied that. In fact, last week, specifically, one girl emailed me on Tuesday. She actually wrote a prayer request on Sunday. I was praying for her on Monday, but she emailed me on Tuesday. Hey, by the way, just so you know, I was really challenged by forgiving and anger with someone, and I realized I had an issue. And so before the Super Bowl happened last week, I called this person. I went and got together, and we were reconciled. Like how awesome is that? Like that is, that, is, that is taking God's word, not just being impacted by it, but letting it change and transform our hearts. I mean, dare I say, being submitted to God's word. This maturity journey, I'm so encouraged by the immense maturity that is gonna come out of this and the belief that I see that God is gonna bring more glory to his son through our lives as we, as we lean into this, as we press into where God is maturing us. We have to remember, it, it costs a lot. 
It's very difficult. In fact, the, the scripture here, Ephesians chapter five, is, is kind of a, a, it's a, it's a hinging point over the last four, or, or the beginning of four, and then into the beginning of chapter five. In fact, next week, I just want to say this right now, next week will be somewhat of a PG-13 relate, rated service, so if you have children, you don't want them to hear it from me first, you can come without them, but that's what we'll be talking about in the rest of Ephesians chapter five. But as we, as we look at what's happening in four and in five, we see these, these kind of these combos that are happening. Old self looks like this. New self looks like this. We're called and encouraged to not walk in the old self, but instead to, to walk in the new self. And they go back and forth, and the Apostle Paul is giving us an image of what one looks like and what the other looks like. It's all hinged on this verse right here, these two verses in chapter five. Everything's kind of tipping point at this specific scripture, what, what does it really mean to be hinged in one of these two areas? Or where, where does it really mean to, to rid ourselves of the old self and to walk in the new self? And so we, we are working through that specifically. So look at me, look with me at, at Ephesians chapter five, just two verses today is all we're doing. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Simple, simple, simple little thing. He starts with a therefore. This therefore can be easily tied and connected to what he just said in verse 432, talking about how we are to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us, or as God has forgiven us in Christ. That could easily be tied to that, but I think this therefore is kind of overarching for all of it. And so he says, he starts out, therefore, therefore, as, as beloved children, as dear children, this is important. I want to pause on that statement. If you remember back at the, the beginning of, of Ephesians, we established in chapter 1, 2, and 3 that we are children of God. When we submit to him as Lord and Savior, we are, we are children. We are adopted in, co-heirs with Christ. We are children of God. Our identity is child of God. And so the Apostle Paul is, is pleading with us. He's pleading with the, the believers in Ephesus, saying, therefore, as beloved children, and not just, not like forgotten child, not like the, you know, the ugly stepchild. No, as, a, as an adopted, beloved child of God. Imitate God. Now, I don't know about you, but the whole idea of imitating God seems a little bit difficult. Okay, just, just a little bit difficult. Imitate God. That, that almost seems like an unrealistic expectation. Why would, God, why would God call us to imitate him? Why would the Apostle Paul think that we should imitate him? Because the Apostle Paul is going to show us not only the motivation for it, but also the reason why and how we can do so in this, these two short verses. But the expectation is, let me say this really clearly, for all of us that continue to compare ourselves, our bar, our standard, what we're looking for, who we are to imitate, is not your neighbor, your spouse, your friend, your mentor, your disciple, your enemy. Our bar, our standard is Christ. You and I are to imitate him and him alone, not anything else. And he goes on and says, in the imitate, he says, as beloved children, walk in love. Um, this literally is a better way to say your life must be controlled by love. Isn't that interesting? Walk in love. We, we've heard this word walk. Paul has used it a lot in these last two chapters. Walk is, is literally as you go. Your daily basis, not, not as if you're just kind of on some stroll, but no, this is every single day, every single moment, every single action is to be done walking in love, controlled by love. Paul once again uses this 
um, this language to basically say that this is that we are to become imitators of God. The heart of what it means is that we are to walk worthy of the calling to which you are called that we see in verse four, or chapter 4.1. For you and I to walk worthy, we do so in love. This expectation is love. And after walk in love, he gives us the motivation for it. He says, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Again, the motivation here, this is such a beautiful sentence because what this specifically tells us is that we can know that, that, that Christ wasn't, his life wasn't taken. His life was given. Jesus, Jesus, knowing the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. He, he walked obediently to the cross and gave himself up for us. Well, what would motivate him to do that? Obedience? No. I mean, yes, he was obedient. It was love. He loved the Father. He loved us, and therefore, he died on the cross for us. So essentially, what we get out of this is that Christ's love for his people is both the reason and the pattern for living a life characterized by love. The reason why we can, we can live this pattern is because Christ loved us. The motivation to continue to live in this way is because Christ loved us. We're to walk in love. How opposite is walking in love versus the old selves we were talking about last week? The anger, the slander, the gossip, the thief. Apostle Paul is calling us to a really high level. In fact, he's saying Christ's willing sacrifice serves as the hallmark example defining what it truly means to love. In fact, I mean, all of us have a mis-skewed cultural view of love. We, I mean, it's Valentine's Day this week, right? That obviously means love's happening in some way, right? We, we are so misguided. In fact, the only definition that we have for love is, 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 is that is true, and the way to be done is, is in Christ's life. Costly, self-sacrificing love. The expectation for you and me, for those of us that have surrendered to Christ as Lord and Savior, the expectation on us is to love as he is loved. The expectation is so large, so expectant. You can't, you can't then, now we see the motivation for ridding ourselves of the old self. Putting on those sweaters or that, that lice-filled closet, putting that stuff on. When you, when, you, when you wear those things, when you put those things on, you are, you are unable to love as Christ you are unable to love as Christ. Christ took the initiative in handing himself over so that, so that we could say in both that the ground and model for love is costly, sacrificial love. It's also to be the distinguishing mark of our lives. To serve others in this way is not only to please God, it is to imitate both God and Christ. So our metric, our bar, isn't what another mom's doing, isn't what another dad's doing, isn't what another student's doing. It's what Christ does. In everything, we are to love as he has loved. In everything, we are to go about this as he has loved us in a costly, self-sacrificing way. We are now expected to love other believers specifically in this text, although we, can, we are to love those outside the church as well. But specifically believers in this text with the same costly, self-sacrificing way. This is what motivates us to walk in the new self. This is what motivates us to, to, to be kind and tender-hearted to one another. This is what motivates us to not grieve the Holy Spirit like he talked about in verse 30 of 4. 
our motivation isn't, isn't that we can just muscle through it. It's that he has loved us and therefore now we are capable of loving. And our call, our expectation is to be an imitator of him. If that seems ridiculous, Peter tells us we're to be holy as our Father's holy. In fact, the word is also used in the New Testament. We are to be perfect as he is perfect. The expectation is high. The bar is high. The only way to get there is through love, which happened in Christ first and enables us to do the same. Then he goes on and says, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This, this specific text is speaking about what Christ was to God. He was a fragrant offering. This is, a, this is Old Testament language that is so clear to every single person that understands the Old Testament. This is the Levitical law that tells us that we are to sacrifice something on the altar for atonement of sins. So animals that would be cut and, and bled out and sacrificed and burned or, or, or our crops or herbs, whatever it was, they were, they were sacrificed to the Lord and it was a pleasing aroma. It seems, it's, it's a little weird because honestly, burning flesh doesn't seem like it would smell all that great. But it's not the, it's not the act of the burning, it's the sacrifice behind it that's pleasing. It wasn't, it wasn't how Jesus died. It was that he laid his life down for us. See, what's pleasing to God, what's the, what the aroma that is pleasing to him is the sacrifice. It's not the actual act or what's happening in there, what's burning at that moment. It's laying down our lives. In fact, 2 Corinthians tells us specifically, um, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to do God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. This sweet smelling offering and sacrifice, we're supposed to embody it now. Have you ever met someone, and this is a little weird, but have you ever met someone when they just smell off? I'm not talking about bathing, okay? Some of you do need to bathe more. I'll just say that right now, but... But have you ever met someone where you're just like, man, they just, it just seems off. You just, you can't put the, th- the picture, to the, you just can't figure it out, you can't pinpoint it, you're just, you're just not sure why, but it's just something seems off. And then the same thing, you can meet someone across the world, this is happening to me, on the other, in a totally different country. I don't know them at all, but you start interacting with them, you're like, man, something just draws me to this person. There's something about this person that entices me to want to be with them. And then I find out as I spend more time talking that they're following the Lord as well and, 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 and that the Spirit of God in them is enticing the Spirit of God in me. Have you ever felt this? And sometimes you've felt the darkness of others. Like, man, there's just a, there's a lot of, it doesn't mean that we need to run or, or you know, never share the Lord's truth with them. But like you can tell right away really quickly that this, is, this person doesn't have the hope of the Lord in them. Their hope is in stuff. Their joy is gonna burn up. This is, that, this is kind of that sniff test that we can talk about, the aroma of Christ. Because like 2 Corinthians tells us, we are to embody this. We are actually to smell like this. You and I are to have an aroma about us that points to the hope in Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for us as a pleasing aroma to the Father in heaven. We're to, we're to smell like that. It's a sniff test. Uh, this is kind of where we get discernment. You see this in Hebrews 4. The understanding that you and I can, can discern what is true or not true, can you kind of sniff that out because it's someone that's submitted to Christ or someone that's speaking scriptures, it's so clear. And you're like, okay, this makes sense. But when it seems off, you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. 
something seems off here. And sometimes that's our own like, inability to understand the truth or we're not in the scripture and maybe we're just misunderstanding what someone's saying. So don't just assume because it smells wrong to you that it may be wrong. Submit yourself to the scriptures. The scriptures bring out truth. But you can, you can see this aroma. And what's, what's amazing is, it, is it's pleasing to God. Now, I, don't, I don't know about you, but as much motivation and energy as I can put into trying to take off the old sweater, to, to limit anger or to get rid of anger or to, 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 to stop, stop all my slander, whatever may be over here, the thieving, whatever's over here, as much as I want to try and take that sweater off and do that, as much as I want to like, do what's right, if my motivation is just to do what's right, I'm going to fall short every single time. But my understanding of what the new self means is that I can actually please the very God that created me. I'm all in because I don't have a right. I don't have an ability in myself to please God with anything I am capable of doing on my own apart from Christ. Yet if I am to imitate God, to do so then is to, to live in a costly way with other people. So let me, let me ask this question. If to imitate God is to imitate Christ and costly sacrificial love is the characterization that believers are supposed to have with the relationships with one another, how are you doing on that? How much are you loving someone else when it doesn't cost you anything? Because that's, honestly, that's, that's what I think most of us are good at. It's really easy to love when the cost is like, well, it's just a little bit. What if the cost that God is calling you in loving someone takes you in the red? Are you willing to go there? Because I, I kind of feel like Jesus didn't go to the cross and be like, all right, God, I'll endure this for you because I love these people and I'm obedient to you. But can I only do it for the ones that are really going to follow me? I mean, like, only the ones that, like, are really good at following me. Don't mess up every single day. Can we just, can we just not have it cost for them? Can I, just, can I just take the cost down and just experience it for only the select few, the elite followers of me? No, he, he dies for everyone. Anyone who shall believe in him will not perish. Why? Because he loved us. See, our expectation isn't just to behavior modify. Our expectation is to love others in a costly, self-sacrificing way. Not in a complacent, lazy, selfishly motivated way. Which most of us are really good at. Where is it that God's calling you to sacrifice? Maybe it's in forgiveness. I want to tie that in. Again, the therefore could easily work for 432 where we're told to forgive one another as God has forgiven us in Christ. You know what's crazy? Is forgiveness is probably like the, the supreme evidence of God's love in our lives. The way that we are able to forgive someone else is, is, is a really easy way to see how much you understand God's forgiveness of you. In fact, nothing's more clearly discloses a hard, hard loveless heart than lack of forgiveness. Those of us that, that refuse to forgive, we don't understand God's forgiveness. And let me, let me say it this way. There were some really, really hard things, hard, hard things in, in the prayer cards last week of people needing to forgive others and experience some difficult. I'm not saying that what you experienced wasn't horrific and horrible. What I'm saying is that God's forgiveness can cover that. And to hold on to that pain is only hurting you. It's only hurting you. To not forgive someone of the wrong they've done for you is only costing you and the other believers around you. You want to talk about a cost? Some of you, the cost is so high just to forgive someone because of what they did to you. 
was so wrong, so sinful, and so horrific. It's an extreme cost to, 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 be willing, to willingly take that off and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive this person. You, you're taking that on. That costs a lot, which is why I think a lot of us are not good at it because we'd rather hold it over them, justify why they don't deserve forgiveness. Look, every single reason you can put on someone why they don't deserve forgiveness, you can put on yourself with God. We did not deserve. I don't deserve his grace. You don't deserve his grace. If you think you deserve his grace, let me tell you what you're doing. You're comparing your sins to someone else's, which is not our mark. Our mark is Christ. You're called the author of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith as we run this race with endurance. Fix your eyes on him. When you take your eyes off him and you start looking at other people, start comparing yourself this way, you're gonna miss the mark every single time. What is it for you? What is God calling you to sacrifice? Simple one would be money. Maybe God's actually saying, I'm, I'm tired of you just going through the motions in this. Don't give another dollar until you can understand why you're doing it or whose money it is. Maybe it's relational. In fact, I bet most of us it's relational. God's calling you to enter in relationally with someone that's exhausting. Just show of hands. Who thinks people are the easiest thing to love in the world? No one's gonna put their hands up. Yet God, in his infinite grace, mercy, forgiveness, and love, he loved us through Jesus Christ. So for him to call us to love others like he has done only makes sense because it makes no sense in this dark, dark world. You want to be that aroma of Christ? Walk as Christ did. Forgive as Christ has. Love when it costs you way more than it's worth. Love even when it takes you into the negative. It took Jesus into the grave for three days. To assume that it would be an easy thing to love people is, is ridiculous. Stop comparing yourselves to others. Our standard of metric is Jesus. The model of love is in forgiving, unconditional, self-sacrificing offering that is pleasing to the Lord. My, my, my challenge for you, my encouragement for you is, is, is this, is maturity does not come easy. In fact, usually maturity is expensive and difficult and hard. And my bet is God is calling to mature you in a specific way in loving others. He's saying, he's saying right now to you, he's saying, I, you know what, you keep throwing out these excuses, you keep throwing out these reasons why you don't have to do this, I'm calling you to sacrifice that. And so what is it? Some of you, like I said, maybe it's the easiest thing in your head. You have it right now, and you're like, this is what he's calling me to sacrifice. Well, then do like that wonderful young lady did last week. Take what God is challenging you with and walk in it in obedience. I just got a word that I just was told after first service that someone else sent out a letter to an entire team of people that they had wronged. And so this, this, this girl was telling me that she said that, that 25 people were affected by this person seeking recon reconciliation and repentance. The aroma of Christ, people. It doesn't make sense. The team was baffled by why she would even say that and why she was willing to go that way. It doesn't make sense because it's, it's, it's not of this world. It's of God. It's of Christ. It's of his kingdom. It's of his work that we are called to live in and through and as a part of. The band's going to come up, and we're going we're gonna to worship some more. But how's, how's the smell going? You know, your sniff test, how are you feeling about that? Do you feel like, 
Do you feel like the aroma you carry isn't, isn't one of Christ's? Do you feel like the, 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 the level at which you're willing to love? In fact, let me just ask you this. How are you doing in your marriage at loving this way? How, how often as husbands are you like, well, when she does this, I'll do that. Or as wives, you're like, well, when he starts doing this, I'm going to love him in this way then finally. That is not costly self-sacrificing. That is selfish and lazy and easy to do. And unfortunately, it could cost you your marriage. How are you doing at loving your parents? How are you doing at loving your roommates? How are you doing at loving those people that disagree with you? We are to imitate God. We are to love as he is loved. That is the motivation for everything we do is his love. I pray, Father, I pray that we would not be a people um, bound by what the culture says on how we are to love, but instead would be imitators of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that, that today, as, as we sing, as we worship, as we give, as we, as we seek reconciliation, as we, as we pursue forgiveness, God, I pray that there would be a pleasing aroma of our lives, that you would experience that scent and see the sacrifice, and it would be something that you would smile on. God, we, we desire so badly to live in light of the way you designed us to do so, so please give us the strength by your spirit to do so. Help us to submit to your scriptures and stop being lazy, complacent, selfish beings, God. But instead, make us, make, us, um, make us lovers that follow you in your word, that express that to others, and that faithfully surrender our own selfish desires to yours. And God, for the individuals in here that maybe had a thought of someone that they know that they have not been loving, I pray again, just like we did last week, that they would do what you call them to do in your word, Seek repentance and reconciliation so you can redeem, which is what you've called to do. God, I pray that a year from now as we embark on this, what does it mean to mature from us, God, I pray that this would be a, a body of people in a, in a, in a, in a posture, in a submissive way to your word where maturity comes out and all it is is a pleasing aroma to you, Lord. I thank you for even the ability to sing, the ability to worship, the ability to, to know you and the ability to walk with you, God. So as we sing, I pray we would sing as individuals that are free from the burden of our sins, free from the, the burden of shame or guilt, as individuals that are truly repentant, uh, desiring to, to express the grace and the, and the love that you've shown us, not out of shame, God, but out of the fact that you have loved us and we just desire to love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.